0: We already kind of in, intuitively know this. Now we actually have some experiential data to back this up and says, hey, look, you know, what we thought was right was right. We now have data that that is kind of proving us, us right.
1: Firehouse Vigilance presents The Weekly Scrap, a podcast dedicated to the never-ending fight against complacency. All right, Corley Moore, Weekly Scrap, number 40, special guest, Nick LaDine firefighter eau claire wisconsin member of fire engineering blog talk network technical member with ul fsri he is an instructor and an author extraordinaire lots of articles under his belt and i'm going to pick his brain on them today and he's also one of the founders of firefighter rescue survey i'm proud to have him on this scrap he's a very patient person as he puts up with my ineptitude with technology thank you nick for coming on weekly scrap number 40
0: yeah, glad to be here, man. How you doing tonight, Corley?
1: Doing great, brother. And everybody out there watching live, if you have questions for me or Nick, hit us with them. We love answering questions. And uh, so just post them in the chat and I will definitely get to them and throw them at Nick and see what he has to say. And so with that being said, um, is there anything I missed in your introduction, anything you'd like to add?
0: No, nothing. Nothing important. I, I've been doing this for like 13 years and 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 I dig it.
1: Awesome! Awesome. That's all well, no, that really matters. You have some of my favorite articles uh, on the internet. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick your brain on them. So I hope you don't mind. I'm even gonna go back in time on you to some of the older ones. So, um, one of the funny things is when I first I was researching, I was building a presentation called "Sex and Drugs and Fire Behavior" because, well, I tried to make it as exciting as I could in the name. But along the way, I was trying to research some information on basically water behavior. And so I found your article, Apples to Apples, which is exactly what I was looking for. And I just reached out to you blindly through the Internet, I believe. And when I finally did get a hold of you, you were gracious and awesome and helped me get through my uh, research that I was after. So I've never really got a chance to say thank you in person for that. So it's pretty awesome. Absolutely, man. Uh, so that brings me right to Apples to Apples and the JPS to GPS and just all of the, the, the other article, which you pointed me to, Water Behavior. Um, and I don't want to go into all the math on it. It's a, such a great article. So if you get a chance, go search for it on Google. Um, but just talk about it and how there's not a lot of data collected on Steam and the anecdotal versus the and all that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and what's nice is that since that's been written there, we're starting to actually dissect Steam a little bit. So we actually have some type of empirical data at this point in time. But prior to about two years ago, everything was anecdotal um, and depending on who you were talking to steam was either a giant concerned or it was something that we didn't need to be concerned with at all. Right. So the article itself gets way in depth. It's, it's definitely math heavy um, for a lot of people. And, and for firefighters, it's definitely going to turn some people off once they see some equations in there. But I like equations because they're objective, they're universal, they're ubiquitous. They don't care about our feelings. And they're the same for, every fire that you've ever been to and every fire that you're ever going to go to. And they do a good job of showing relationships between uh, two different variables. So I just did some research and um, really this article was, was almost written by other people. Um, all this stuff has been said and been done by brothers and sisters much smarter than me and that are more experienced than me that have been doing this longer than me. I just had to do some research and all I did was try to take all that data that I end up finding and then kind of, puke it out into one spot
1: throw it all into one place for people to find it
0: that was the goal yeah Yeah,
1: it is it is a great article so like i said water behavior search for it you can find it it's good to read i did want to touch on you before we got going in depth which is uh i don't like dominating this the scrap with too much talk about you know current events and stuff but how uh covid and the pandemic has basically affected the fire service uh and and in your neck of the woods and what's going on up there for you
0: yeah, so our number, we're relatively isolated. I mean, the community that I live in, our county, is 100,000 people. Um, uh, Eau Claire itself is is with students in town. It's, it's 80,000 people, something like that. So we're not the biggest community, and we're kind of isolated. We're kind of an island all by ourselves. There's nothing within about, you know, that's decent size, and no disrespect to any of the cities near here, but nothing that's decent size until you go west, uh till you get to St. Paul, which is like an hour and fifteen minutes okay. away. So Minneapolis, St. Paul is, is about an hour and fifteen minutes to the west. And then if you go east or you go south, you gotta go quite a ways. You're going, you know, three hours till you get to Madison and Milwaukee and, and Chicago and that area. So we're relatively isolated. Like so our numbers aren't huge. But like everywhere else we're reacting and and trying to make the best of a of a kind of a cruddy situation. Sure. All our conferences have gotten canceled like everywhere else. Um, so I help out with the Badger fire Conference. Paul Shuckerman's the main guy with that, um along with a handful of other brothers uh, and sisters um but that got canceled this year um and most conferences have either been cancelled or postponed or or changed pretty significantly right. um so my schedule definitely cleared up, um which has been cool it's it's our our plan wasn't to have this much family time this year, but it's been awesome. Sure, uh, I five year old, my littlest just turned five. My oldest is going to turn nine here in about a week and a half, nice. and uh, we're we're trying to make lemonade out of these lemons that, that uh, the world has given us right now. Right on. So Same thing in our in our department. Um, trying to just make sure that we're we're doing what's best for all our members and and all our citizens.
1: Sure. Has it affected your training much at all, as far as uh, the ability to do multi company training and things like that?
0: Yeah, interdepartmentally, yes, initially, Um, and then still a little bit. We're still kind of figuring out exactly how we're going to do uh, multi-company training. Um, For the most part, initially, we kind of canceled training for the most part. I wouldn't say that we necessarily canceled it, but in effect, that's kind of how it all worked out. Um, And then relatively early, we started training again. It just looks a little bit different today than it did, say, you know, four months ago or, or a year ago. So we're trying to limit the number of people there. We're trying to make sure that we're not writing each other's faces. If we have to, we're wearing masks. If we have to, we're going to wear SCBAs and, and make sure we wash all our gear. There's a lot more cleaning going on. Sure. Uh, and and some of our training has looked slightly different. Some of it hasn't changed at all. So we're trying to uh, make sure that we're doing everything with keeping best practices in mind or what the data is telling us uh, should be best practices.
1: Obviously, no, no. They're moving targets, but. It'll be exciting to see what the or exciting, I think, I don't know if that's the right word, but it'll be interesting to see what the new normal looks like as we, as we do get more information, more data and see how it affects the fire service, you know, across Absolutely. the nation. So it'll Absolutely. be, I think interesting is the better term than, than uh, exciting.
0: I'm, in, I'm intrigued to see what the world's going to look like in 2022 and and what we've kept, Uh, from COVID and what we've gotten rid of and what we've gone completely the other way on and and said that again.
1: Right on. No, it's going to be, I don't think we'll look back and recognize a lot. Uh, All right, so Firefighter Rescue Survey, the meat of this. Yeah. You are one of the founders, correct? Correct, yeah. It's hard to find information. You guys are so humble about it. So go ahead and talk about it, starting it, where it came from, and uh, go for it.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to give you my perspective. And if you ask the other four guys, the other four guys are going to be Trent Morrison, Brian Olson, uh, Justin McWilliams, and Shane Thomas. Uh, from my perspective, I was at a NFPA 1700 meeting. Um, we were talking a lot about ventilation. We were talking about a lot about water. We weren't talking really at all about search and rescue. We brought it up towards the end of the meeting, and they said, all right, well, we're trying to find some empirical data on this stuff. And the only guy that I had really seen that was kind of diving into the numbers on this was Brian Olson. This is probably 2016, maybe 2015. Don't okay. quote me on those numbers now.
1: That area. But
0: yeah, it was uh, it was like February of 2016, maybe or, or maybe a little bit, maybe a month or two uh, in either direction of that. Um, Brian had done some some uh, research and had kind of done a deep dive into the, a lot of numbers from USFA. Um, which they get all their numbers from NIFRS. From so I reached out to him first trying to figure out, all right, well, I was kind of tasked with figuring out where search and rescue should fit into the 1700 document, understanding that the goal was to make sure that we weren't just using strictly anecdotal evidence that we were trying to get as empirical as we could. Um, so you all had a little tiny bit um, but they'd really just scratched the surface at that point in time. And since then, they've done their coordinated study, and now they're working on their search study. Uh, so that was always their plan to move in this direction. Right. Uh, they just hadn't caught up with that. The science wasn't quite there yet. So talking to Brian, we had a couple back and forths. And then in one of our conversations, he brought it up. I don't know if it was his idea originally, or he heard it from somewhere else, or how it actually happened. But he's like, well, why don't we just start a survey and try to get as much information, experiential data from people as we possibly can. So that's kind of how it all started. Um, Brian knew Justin, Justin knew Shane, and I think Shane knew Trent, and maybe all four of those guys knew each other pretty well. And uh, within a couple months, we had a rough draft, or or really the the framework for firefighter rescue survey was set up. We had the survey. We went live with it at FDIC in 2016, I believe. Maybe it was 2017. Um and since then it's it's slowly evolved. It's kind of always going to be a work in progress. Um and it's kind of a live document and if somebody has an idea to make this better, please just send it to any one of us and then we have discussions. The goal is not to change this every week as we come up with new questions, but wait a couple years and then kind of redo the whole entire survey because has it when it comes- Yeah, have yeah. come some big evolutionary steps in here. So instead of a bunch of little tiny sure. miniature ones that look more like actual evolution, we're trying to make these bigger chunks um, when it comes to how we're designing this and moving forward. And it really that stems from the actual data collection side of this. So once we collate it and it's collected and collated, and then we actually try to break it down, it gets really confusing when we have a bunch of different questions that have different, number of a bunch of different answers bunch of different questions and they're kind of varying throughout this thing so we're trying to make it you know every three years or so this thing will be potentially significantly different gotcha and for the most part i think 80 90 percent of the questions will remain the same but people want to know more information as well so we kind of always have that balance in ask too with how many questions is too many right, questions right not going to fill it out um or they're going to be halfway through with it and then just start clicking buttons so they can get done with it because they're like this is dumb now i don't care anymore i got See. stuff to do i need a shower our uh, calls coming in whatever the case may be right so we're trying to make this as easy as possible on the firefighters but also at the same time balancing and making sure that we're getting the as many as much useful information as possible
1: no it makes sense now has it gone as it since its inception in the first set of questions, has it changed a whole lot or is it still pretty much in its first form, would you say?
0: So, after about 200 questions or so, we changed it again, uh, 200 surveys rather. We changed it again and then it kind of slowly evolved a little bit where we'd add two questions here. Um, but after we had 892 finished surveys, so January 1st of 2019, we went and we went from about 25 questions to up to 50 questions, okay, almost 50 questions. Um, And a lot of that was after we did a lot of the research and we started dissecting this, we realized, you know, we're, we're firefighters. We're not the, they're very smart, very intelligent guys. um, But we'd never done this before. So we found some holes in the questions that we were asking and also in the answers. Uh, So a lot of our answers initially were like, well, choose as many options as, as makes sense. And so you'd put for type of search, you'd put, well, it was VES, uh, which is a type of targeted search. And once we went in there, it was uh, was oriented because we had a guy at the window or right. how everybody okay. yeah. so Now we have three of those. So right. now what we did is we then said every answer that we have is now choose the one best answer. And it makes it so much nicer for data collection sure. because a lot of these questions and answers – Um, some of them are subjective, but also if you make them like a Venn diagram, there's overlap here. So we're just trying to make sure that we're getting the nuts and bolts, the most important part of each one of these questions. Um, so we can then disseminate that to the fire service and people look at this and say, cool, now we have this data. And what does this mean to us in our department and our, um, our area, our community with our training? So what does that mean to us? is kind of the important part here.
1: Awesome. So it's sitting right around 50 questions, you'd say? Just under. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we're at like 49, 48 questions, something like that. With the last couple being, can we contact you if we have questions on this? Do you have a link to um, any other information, whether it's a press release put out by the department, um, whether it's something that the department put out, or maybe it was even local news. Sure. Um, so sometimes there's video that's associated with these as well. If you go look into the to the survey, look awesome. at the raw
1: data. Um- what was I gonna? Uh, how long would you say it takes to do a survey, start to finish, for your typical – of course, the new guys they're hiring nowadays are so much more tech savvy than uh, the tr- generations past. But uh, your typical firefighter, how long do you think it would take?
0: If you have a couple pieces of information, if you have kind of what time the fire department arrived, what time you found the victim, what time you removed the victim, if you already have that information in front of you and what time this call came in, it probably takes about – 10 minutes, maybe 12 minutes to fill this out. It's relatively quick. It's, you know, if you look at some of the questions is what was visibility like here? Was it low, uh, moderate, high, or no visibility? And, and you just punch that in. So most of these questions are, are pretty easy to answer. There's a couple that we ask for some timestamps and some time data. And if you have that beforehand, super easy to fill this survey out.
1: So you're not asking to type up paragraphs of, of narrative or anything like that?
0: Nope. Everything is just clicking a button until you want to potentially add a, add a link to some more information about this. You know, hey, your local news was on scene and they caught some video or they followed up with this uh, victim or they interviewed your guys uh, or girls. So if you have that, then you copy and paste that. Everything else is just a, a, a click of a, of a mouse.
1: Nice. OK. Um, so for our listeners, what defines a rescue uh, or an assist? You know, just kind of go into that.
0: Yeah, very good question. And this is something that's kind of been slightly a, a moving target as well for us. So where we're at right now is anytime we remove somebody with the thought of, I think this person's still alive, or I think we can save this person still, anytime we remove, that equals rescue. So removal equals rescue for us. Um, so if you get there and the person is, is obviously dead on arrival, and you're going to leave them there for the corner, we don't count that. Sure. The other kind of messy part, messy part potentially is the assist thing. So if you open up, say it's a multifamily dwelling fire, you have fire in a unit and maybe it's extended into the hallway as well. If you go to the floor above and you assist grandma down the stairs, then somebody wants to say hi real quick. If yeah. you would
1: if you take, right. say what's up to everybody. Hi. What's up, buddy? <laughs> That's Corley.
0: Say what's up, Corley. <laughs> this is Dylan. All right, do you want to go see Mama? All right, here she is.
1: The scrap at oh. least got cuter. We figured that part out.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> hey, buddy. Let's listen to Mama. <laughs> it's been a long day here.
1: That's awesome, man.
0: Um. Yeah. So an assist. So if we can glean, glean useful information from your assist, we want that information in there. If it's something as simple as I went to the floor above. There was no smoke up there. Hallways were clear and grandma could walk. Personally, I wouldn't put that in, but I'm not going to fault somebody else for putting this sure. information in. Um, so assists and and actual rescues, slightly different. But there might be some other time where you open up the front door, the person's still able to walk, but you need to assist them out of there because, they, you know, maybe they're a little bit smoke drunk. Uh, maybe they're drunk drunk. Um, or maybe they, they – uh, they just need some type of assistance from you. So a little bit of, again, kind of these Venn diagrams that overlap a little bit. If we can glean useful information here, if you think there's something useful to pass on to the fire service, please fill out a survey.
1: Awesome, man. No, that is awesome. All right, so as you've analyzed this data, what has jumped out at you as you've as, as you've gone over the stuff that you've collected over the past three or four years?
0: Yeah, there's a couple things that, that have that have stood out to me. So I'm going to do a, a little rapid fire here. Okay. Okay. Um, some of the important ones, and, and this one kind of hits close to home for me, but um, has to do with victims behind a closed door. We know that we started asking this question uh, January 1st of 2019. So we analyzed all the data from the first 500 rescues since then. We we're at over 1,500 total rescues as of earlier this week. Um, Very nice. Yeah, which is pretty awesome. I was pretty stoked to see that. Um, Obviously, that,
1: we want to get more and more and more, and we're going to try and spread the word, but that's awesome, man.
0: Yeah, right? I mean, well over well over 1,000, and we're over 1,500 right now. But was the, the percentage of the survival rate when you were behind a closed door versus when you're not behind a closed door, when the victim is behind a closed door versus not. And it's about 20 points higher. Um, same thing. Again, this might be not the sexiest topics, but with smoke alarms. You're right around 20% higher if you have working smoke alarms in your house as well. The ones that stick out the most to me are these timestamp data. And I'm going to actually pull these up. I have the numbers in front of me. So we know that when we are rescuing somebody from from fire department arrival to fire department locates the victim, we know that our times... Sorry. Stand by. You're good. We know that our times... Dead air. Dead air. Okay, there we go. So our search time. So from fire department arrival on scene to arrival at the victim, if it's under two minutes, we have a 75% victim survival rate. Nice. Once we go to above eight minutes, that then drops to 28%.
1: So almost 50 points.
0: Yeah. So we go from 75%. And, and if you look at the, the actual slope of this graph, it looks kind of just like this with as time increases, survivability decreases. Again, we kind of inherently know this, right? I mean, right. that's why we stage the gear the, the way that we do. That's why we have lights and sirens. That's why we have opticoms. That's why we train. Um, that's why we make sure that we have a nice, fast tempo on the fire ground. We already kind of in, intuitively know this. Now we actually have some experiential data to back this up and says, hey, look, you know, what we thought was right was right. We now have data that, that is kind of proving us, us right. And that's what a lot of this data does. It kind of reinforces – Best practices or what we were taught. There's only a couple things in here that kind of stand out to you. The one more timestamp thing that I want to talk about is from victim um, to arrival at victim until victim remove. We're going to call that removal time, and it looks very similar. And we have under two minutes. We have a sixty percent survival rate, and if it's over eight minutes, it goes down to fifteen percent. Yeah. So it kind of hovers right around sixty percent until you get to eight minutes and over, and then it just drops off like a cliff here. It's so the slope is much different, but the end result is the longer we take inside, the worse it is for, for them.
1: So the data is there. It's backing up seconds count.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So that's that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, uh biggest surprise. Is Was there anything that actually turned around your thinking, or has it really just been reinforcement?
0: There's there's absolutely a couple things that, that are surprising to me. and And sometimes it's, I don't always want to confuse uh, an is with an ought, meaning just because the data is telling us something right now doesn't mean that that's the way it ought to be because our sample size is still relatively small. I mean, 1,500 is, is nothing tiny, but there's a lot more rescues going on uh, right, right. than we actually know of. And just because someone's realizing, hey, um, the survival rate when we're using thermal imaging cameras is lower than when we're not using thermal imaging cameras – I'm not just going to throw out thermal imaging cameras uh, with the bathwater and say, yep, yep, these are dumb. Those are gone. <laughs> There's a lot of different variables that we need to, to take into play. So people aren't using those thermal imaging cameras when visibility is high. Uh, when it's moderate, they might not be using them. And that's typically when they're at a little bit, they have a higher survival rate too when you're at a high and, and, and moderate uh, visibility. Also, are we using them correctly? What can we learn from from thermal imaging cameras? Uh, the, the biggest surprises to me when it comes to the data are going to be um, exterior conditions upon arrival versus survival rate. I think most of us would think that we have nothing showing from the outside. We're going to have the highest survival rate, which is what we're seeing. But we're also, when there is over 75% involvement, we still have a survival rate of 38% inside oh, wow. these victims or wow. inside these buildings. So it's kind of weird because that slope goes from and the way that we are asking this question and, and these answers, it goes from nothing showing to smoke showing to under 25 percent involvement to two quarters involvement or 25 or, uh, to 50 percent involvement, 51 to 75 percent involvement. And then it kind of jumps up again after 75 percent involvement. And these sample sizes aren't huge. Um, but that one was surprising to me. The other one is what the conditions were inside the uh, the building. So fire conditions upon entry versus survival rate. And with an incipient fire, we have 78% survival rate. Uh, not surprisingly, when we have a room and contents fire, it drops to 62%. When we have multiple rooms or rooms and content, it goes down to 48. But when there's structural involvement, we still have a 46% survival rate. So even when it's transitioned from a a contents fire to a structure fire we're still batting almost 500 right yeah, now getting to 50. yeah so is. so to me that's pretty huge so just because you see big fire from the outside does not mean there's not survivable space from the inside which again people have been preaching this for years right. and years. um but again other sides people have been preaching the opposite you know you have uh victim survivability profiling and people will say well if it's over 75% involved no one's
1: you know, alive inside right alive. right
0: well, are they behind a closed door? Yeah. Are they isolated? Is the fire potentially um, not communicating with where they're at? Um, are they low? Like, there's human life can be incredibly resilient as absolutely. well. No, so absolutely. just because something is or looks away from the outside, we at least have to get eyes on the inside. And if there's an area that we can search, I think we owe it to uh, to the civilians to make sure we're doing our job.
1: No, and I really like that is versus ought. I do like that. You know, Just because it is doesn't mean we ought. Uh, so yeah, I'm steal I, I saw that from
0: me. philosophy. I, I saw that watching some philosophy videos recently, and I'm like, hey, that makes sense to me. Uh,
1: William, this is uh, firefighterrescuesurvey.com. Uh, Nick Ledeen is just discussing some of the data that he's pulled out of it as he's, as he's analyzed it. So that is, it's not technically a study so much as a ongoing survey that just continues to always collect data. Um, yeah, we're just
0: crowdsourcing the brothers and sisters. So the data that you guys have – Hopefully you send it in so that the fire service and everybody else can utilize this.
1: What would be your biggest recommendations to fire departments after pouring over all the raw data you've poured over?
0: Nothing, nothing surprising here, but it's to train on this stuff. Make sure this data is, is being filtered by your department, go through this and figure out what works for your guys uh, and your girls and your department with your community and your buildings and your response times and your response models Just because it works at the local big city, it might be completely different where you're at. Um, But to me, I wanna make sure that we're still prioritizing search as high as we possibly can. Um, I know one of the questions on here, um, this one hits kind of close to home too, but we were seeing asking around that certain fire departments were staffing RIT before they were staffing search. And this was pretty regularly in this department. So, and it wasn't necessarily if it was a commercial building. It wasn't when it was uh, heavy fire involvement from the outside. This was just your your run of the mill room and content fire. We were staffing, writ, or certain departments were staffing, writ first. Um, so, with this data, I think we have you know experiential data to back up the the case that that's not the right way to do this. You know, we have. You know, we have RIT, we have ICS, we have gear, we have nice, clean, cool air to breathe. We have hooks and halogens and hose lines and helmets and, and boots and bunkers and, and uh, fire engineering and fire rescue and, and everything else on the Internet. We're doing this. We raise our hand. We have hundreds of hours of training. If we're putting our safety above anyone else inside who has none of this, they got a pair of boxers on. I think we need to take a long, long, hard look in the mirror
1: there. Preach it. I love it. And you can say, you can't say it loud enough. Um, Firefighter rescue survey. That's the best way to find it. Firefighterrescuesurvey.com. Correct. There's no better way to find it than that. Correct.
0: Correct. The website is firefighter rescue survey. There's also a Facebook page that was started a handful of months ago. There's a couple more guys that have become involved over the last year or so. Uh, I wanna make sure that they get their, their uh due regard as well. We got sure. Jason Marshall out of Egan, Minnesota, uh a uh, uh, Jeff Bryant out of uh Aurora, Illinois, we got Lane Zahurik out of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and we got Brian Brush, um, out of Midwest City. So yeah, bad, uh guy. all those guys are kinda helping to take this hopefully to the next level. Awesome. Uh
1: now I'm gonna switch gears on you from Firefighter Rescue Survey and I'm going back in time because I think it's two thousand thirteen. I could be wrong. But thirty years for thirty seconds. And I, I know I've talked about a lot of your articles, but this uh, this one, the whole meaning behind uh, the reason I made Firehouse Vigilance and the reason I do all this is that never-ending fight against complacency. And I think this article encapsulates it so well. So if you could, I, I just expound on thirty years for thirty seconds for anybody watching listening.
0: Yeah, that's the that's a deep cut right there. Um, that was one of the, my first stabs at at writing at all, and really it was. We had a handful of really passionate guys in my old apartment, Chris Frediani, uh, Aaron Podzerbinski, Ryan Torres, and Jay Larson, and a handful of other guys. And we kept having the same conversation over and over and over again. And really what it came down to is, is that we were willing to work 30 years of our life, busting our butts, hopefully, almost every day, um, to not get outworked. Um, but working 30, 30 years because when it comes to the fireside of stuff, for what might only take 30 seconds in our career. So when we're going in, potentially making a rescue um, and or putting a fire out that somebody else is making a grab on. So just to make sure that we are up on our game, like you said, to make sure that that complacency uh, doesn't filter its way into our life or that we can try to kick it out as much as possible, keep it out as much as possible.
1: I love it, man. Again, another thing I'm going to steal from you. So the 30 years for 30 seconds.
0: I haven't heard that one in a while.
1: No, it's I dude, I loved it. Uh, the uh, other part is, is I like to ask this about guys cause you've been doing this, you know, and staying fired up. A lot of guys, you know, I mean, everybody has their peaks and valleys. I know we're not always clicking along at a hundred miles an hour, but yeah. what keeps you fired up in the, in the game, so to speak?
0: That's a good question. You know, and I don't know if I can actually, I don't know if it's this tangible thing that I can actually put my finger on. Um, Absolutely. I ebb and flow. Um, it's, it's really, I guess if it's anything, it's talking to brothers and sisters that are passionate, that are fired up. Uh, I think teaching helps. I try to teach every once in a while. Um, seeing a, a new guy with a month on that wants to just train all day, like that gets me excited. Right on. Um, so it's a whole bunch of little tiny things. It's not one big thing. But I also, when I see my kiddos, uh, I feel like I owe it to them. Um, to make sure that I'm I'm doing everything that I can for everyone else in this city.
1: Oh, that's pretty powerful. That's good. All right. I always want to ask, guys, when I have them on, um, books that they think firefighters should read. It doesn't necessarily have to be a firefighter book, but a book that you think a firefighter should read, I like to always ask.
0: Yeah. Um, so uh, Warfighting, the MCDP-1 from the the U.S. military, or excuse me, the Marine Corps, is is awesome it's uh it's relatively short it's a heavy read and really it's it's strictly about uh war fighting and and what the marine corps perspective is when it comes to war but it's so it's one of those books that's not about the fire service at all right it's completely about the fire service at the same time if that makes sense um so that one's huge one that's that's fire service related i, I really like random thoughts by Vinny dunn it's one of those books um uh, excuse me, by Tom Brennan, not Vinny Dunn. Uh, by Tom Brennan, it's one of those books that it's just this back page article from Fire Engineering. It's all those put together, oh, put together
1: yeah, the, the but it's super
0: like you. You got to go to the bathroom. I can read one of those real quick. You got five down minutes. I can read one of those real quick, and it's a lot of these nuggets. He's he ran more fires in a year than I likely will in my entire career. Um, so there's so much knowledge and experience coming through his writing. Plus he's a, he's a solid writer too. So that's another one that's fire service related and specific that I think is definitely worth putting on your bookshelf.
1: That's awesome. Random thoughts, Brendan's random thoughts and then warfighting. fighting. Yeah. And I think I talked to you about this one time, which is I haven't read Warfighting, but the art of communication, um, someone, I wish I could remember the guy's author. I should have looked it up beforehand, but I forgot about this, but he took that's warfighting fighting and rewrote it completely basing it around uh, communication. And talking in a corporate environment.
0: And there's a new one now too, now that we're on this topic that the U.S. Milita- or Marine Corps just put out. It's uh, MTDP-7, um, which is Marine Corps Doctrinal Publication 7. Right. Um, and it's just titled Training. And it's kind of a 30,000 foot view of how the Marine Corps views training. But again, it's it's very applicable to the fire service. And for and anyone who's stoked about and psyched up on on training aspect of everything there's a lot of really good nuggets in there too sweet
1: sweet mdcp7
0: yep mcdp7 mcdp7 or just look up training and and that's free online so i printed that out and bound it up and highlighted it and it's super i mean seven dollars later i got a a new book
1: nice no that's the best price ever it's free right Uh, (laughs) yeah Five questions for firefighters. I've been doing this for a while now, collecting. This is my own survey. Of course, this one's a little more fun and less, uh, less serious and less data driven. But it's five questions for firefighters. Are you ready, sir?
0: Let's do it. All Let's right. hope so.
1: <laughs> number one, and this was the original question. I just always asked this on the scrap, and it, but it was kind of negative. You know, it's just, and so I wanted to bring it back with the other four questions being more positive and uplifting. So, number one, what is the number one issue according to Nick Ledeen, facing the modern fire service? <sighs>
0: I guess today and 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 this is low hanging fruit right now but but COVID-19 yeah. is is you know right smack in front of us every single day at, at my job so uh, I guess I'm picking the low hanging fruit right there.
1: Yeah, that's easy. I I can't argue with that that answer. <laughs> uh what is number 2 question? What is the thing you are most excited about for the future of firefighting?
0: What am I most excited about the future of firefighting? Um God, again, this is kind of a, a cheesy answer right here, but I just kind of see, want to see where where we get, where we take this, you know, where all the younger guys, all the up and comers, where they take this. Um, obviously, the fire service in the last generation has evolved a ton. Intrigued to see where we take this, um, and, and what happens next.
1: So, just kind of the, the the general direction of how we how we go about. It. I mean, yeah, I mean, we've what I love about
0: the fire service is the specialists, the guys that get really in depth on everything. Um, understanding that I am not in most areas, a specialist, but we have such a broad job at this point in time, and it's only getting more and more broad. So I'm assuming that mental health, will have a lot more training on mental health in the future. Uh, what we do with our sleep is going to look different. What our shifts look like, I think is going to be different. Um, what our gear is made out of is going to look different. Uh, I think there's so much that is going to look different in the future that uh, I just can't wait to see what it looks like. And, okay. and hopefully most of the things are, are all centered around what's best for the, the civilians in our, in our district and obviously for the firefighters as well. But, but that's, uh, that's a, that's the second one.
1: Right. Okay. I like it. Uh, and it's the, you know, you can see it, you know, especially in my career, I started in 97 and just through the career, just keep adding hats, keep adding hats to what we do, keep adding, and, and then you see it diverting into specialists. And so what that's going to look like going forward.
0: The mission creep is no joke, man. It's, you know, community paramedicine will probably be more and more prevalent in the future. And, you know, with all this talk of defunding police that's going on currently, like, are we going to end up taking over some of those roles potentially? Like, who knows?
1: Hope not. So. great. Right? Uh, that's my personal opinion. Best position. Okay. Number three. I'll get back on uh, questions. Number three. Best position to hold in the fire service.
0: I got two here. Okay. Uh I think training officer, you can have such a a large change in a department. You can not only change strategies, tactics, tasks, level thing, but you can change a mindset relatively easily from that position. So I've always wanted to be a training officer. I also really like just riding backwards. That's where I've been at my entire career. It's pretty darn awesome. You don't have a whole lot of responsibility for the day-to-day stuff and the interpersonal stuff. And so you can focus on just being really good at at your job at, at pulling hose lines and stretching and advancing and flowing hose lines and, and performing your searches and all the other different hats that we have to wear as well. But I like to be in there. I like to be the one that's sweaty. I like to be the one who's actually doing work and, and, uh, earning it hopefully.
1: That's awesome. Like the answers. And I think you might be the first person that said training officer. I think, so. uh-huh. I think I'm, 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 I'm just, I don't have my database to pull up an answer, but, uh, Sweet. Number four question, five questions for firefighters. The best advice you have ever received.
0: Best advice. Um, God, I can't even remember where I heard this, but this one is, is popping up and kind of floating up to the surface right now, but it's simple It's four words, but it's just work harder and smarter. Um, and that's kind of the goal. That's kind of my mantra that I have is to make sure that not only am I working harder than everybody else that's around me, but hopefully that I'm working smarter. And what I'm doing today is more efficient than what I was doing yesterday. Not just that I'm better at it, but it's more efficient. I'm working on that technique, uh, ironing out all the little bugs that I have, and to make sure that that I'm shaving off as many seconds as possible um, or adding another redundant level of safety in there without taking time away um or being able to do this with using zero percent of my brain as opposed to initially 100 like tying your shoes right sure so when we're tying our shoes initially you know my nine-year-old uh almost nine like two three years ago when he was learning to tie his shoes god you couldn't talk to him when he was trying to tie his shoes it took every <laughs> ounce just- <laughs> to tie his shoes and i don't want to brag here right now but i will I'm, I'm pretty freaking good at tying my shoes right, right now. I like it. I can, like have it. A conversation, I can uh, be looking at my phone. And so that's kind of the goal when it comes to all the training stuff as well, is to make sure that I can force a door while still looking at everything else around me um, and taking in as much as I can.
1: So an unconscious competence. Is that the, is that the fourth quadrant? Absolutely. Right. Yep. Okay. Well said. All right. My favorite question out of all these, heavy fire and tenable space, would you rather be assigned to the nozzle or first in the window on VES.
0: I'd like to say both. Uh, I have to choose just one, I mean, I'm kind of a zealot when it comes to search, so I'm I'm going in the window.
1: Going in the window, making the grab. Yeah, so
0: I'm not get glory. I'm probably coming up empty-handed. Um, but the the one time out of, of you know the, the couple dozen, uh, I'll take that. I'll take those odds any day.
1: Right on, right on. I might
0: not get any fantasy points the first ten times I do that, and I'm okay with that. Um, but I'll get the fantasy win one of those times. Hopefully
1: I like it. Even if I don't,
0: even if I don't, that's okay. Right on. Uh, if somebody else searching, they go somewhere else and they find the victim all the better as long as we're getting in there and we're doing what needs to be done. But yeah, I, I love searching. That's my favorite thing to do on fireground.
1: Awesome. And you are on a truck, right?
0: Uh, not
1: anymore. Oh.
0: Um, so January we switched and now I'm out at i uh, I'm on an engine company right now. Although to be fair, um in eau claire here we got six companies we got four engines and two uh quints uh, that we call trucks everything has water on it gotcha. um and we're kind of are all over the place we don't really have true engines we don't really have true trucks like a lot of departments
1: no we're the same we uh we man our ladders depending on the call we jump to ladder from engine so um absolutely uh anything you have going on during this entire pandemic issue uh anything else you want to plug talk about discuss
0: Um, God, there's not a ton in the, in the near future. Uh, MAFA, the Midwest area fire Academy is coming up in November. Super awesome conference. Uh, I don't have the list in front of me for everybody who's going to be there, but, uh, Jeff Bryant fire nuggets is putting this on. I was there last year and and McCormick was there. Uh, Mikey Torres was leading the class with Ty Rondo and a bunch of other guys. Uh, Jeff Rothmeyer, uh, uh, fire by trade was there. Um, or Naza Forward was there, excuse me, and, and a whole bunch of other people there. He puts on an Austin conference, so MAFTA is going to be fun. We'll be there.
1: Where's MAFTA at? This uh, it-
0: MAFTA is right around Aurora, Illinois, okay. so it's outside Chicago a little ways, um, but it's a relatively cheap conference. Please look it up, um, and there's not a whole lot going on. Everything else in this area has been canceled. So if you're in Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, anywhere else around here uh we had people from quite a few states here last year it's definitely worth looking up a lot of really good instructors there and uh it's a good time too Are you was, be there? yeah i think i'm helping out with uh mikey torres's truck class again okay. i don't exactly know what my my role is yet but we'll get that dialed in here soon
1: well, if i talk to wife into it i'll come up there she wants to go to chicago anyway so i may talk nice. her into a little four-day vacation and take a couple of days to go to that so
0: nice yeah it's it's a really cool conference okay. uh, jeff bryant uh, is, is Obviously, I'm, I'm a little biased here because he works with Fire Nuggets and uh, also with Firefighter Rescue Survey, but right. he is one of the most passionate dudes. When you ask about people that drive me, it's guys like Jeff Bryan. I mean, this guy has got his pedal to the metal 24-7. Awesome. I get calls and texts from him once a month at least going, Hey, I got an idea. What do you think about this? And just to see his enthusiasm and his passion and his drive, it's it's awesome. It, it inspires
1: It's hard not to get fired up when you got someone like that, you know, picking up the phone and calling you. It's hard not to be,
0: right? Uh, I think that's about all we got. Next year, we got a couple things maybe coming out with uh, with Fire Nuggets, Um, but I don't think I have anything else going on really. Uh, If you haven't ever checked out the Grabs Podcast, uh, I started helping out with that as well. Okay, Um, all we're doing with the Grabs Podcast, for those that don't know, is when someone makes a rescue and and they want to tell their story, they'll either reach out to us or we'll go preemptively reach out to them. And we'll try to do a quick little 15, 20 minute podcast about the actual rescue. So we're taking that firefighter rescue survey and we're just taking one of those specific ones and trying to make it come to life.
1: Just turning it into a narrative. On
0: there, tell us what you did, what worked well, what didn't work well, what you learned, um, and kind of paint a picture in 15 minutes or so. Uh, so Grant be Justin McWilliams are the main guys with that and they're letting me ride their coattails.
1: Uh, you find that you find that on iTunes? or? or? Yeah, it's on yeah. Like Brothers in
0: Battles. Okay. Uh page i think it's on itunes as well i'm pretty sure don't no quote way. me on sure this. i'm i'm uh i'm not very technologically savvy
1: i would I, I don't know if i buy that but uh i'll take your word for it yeah. i'm good
0: <laughs> with the calculator. i'm good at the calculator that's all i'm good with
1: okay fair enough uh yeah. best way to get a hold of you if people want to reach out to you etc
0: uh facebook is probably the easiest it's just Nick Ledeen, L-E-D-I-N. Um, my email address, if anyone wants to email me, I, I answer that as well. It's just nladine at hotmail. You can tell how old I am, right on. I still-
1: Yes, you can. You're dating yourself right. with some hotmail. We're
0: old school, baby.
1: <laughs> I love it. I, I do love it. Uh, everybody, go out there, get on firefighter rescue survey. Check out their data. Get on Facebook, follow the page. Um, and if you make a grab, if you make a rescue, if you make an assist, get on there and put the data in. I mean that yeah. that is that is ultimately the thing that drives the whole machine is the data coming in from every all of us. So get out there and give them the data to work with and so they can crunch it and spread it and share it. So. Well
0: said. Hey, Corley, can I ask you one quick question? Hit me. I've been hearing a lot about this Challenger Leadership book. Can you <laughs> tell us a little bit about that? I know you don't want to do this right now, but can you just tell us for all those listening?
1: Uh, absolutely. Um, uh, very proud of it. I finished, It's been a couple years in the, in the writing. Um, I'm a reader. I'm a massive reader. I know you're a reader also. But the truth of the matter is most firefighters don't, really read. They're not readers by, uh, it's just not in our nature, uh, firefighter nature or men of action, so to speak. So I tried to write a book that was strictly aimed at people who do not enjoy reading. So the whole premise of the book is it's kind of a devotional slash workbook. It's a, it's a book of action and application. So you just, there's a hundred days in it, a hundred challenges. And it takes about five minutes. I make fun of a, or I make the joke. It takes like four minutes. If you ride an engine takes like five minutes, if you ride a truck uh to read the daily uh little insert. It's a concept on leadership that day. And then there's a challenge you try to complete throughout the day or, or work on to make yourself and drive the concept home. And there's a hundred challenges, a hundred concepts, and it challenges you to complete all one hundred. So anyway, I'm very, very proud of it. Just launched it, it's selling and shipping it out all over the country. So I'm excited about it. Thanks for asking. Although
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. After I get off here, I need to go order it. Where do I go order it?
1: Uh, you can get on firehousevigilance.com. If you order from there, I will sign it, whatever you want me to say on it or whatever. If you go to Amazon, you can find it on Amazon, of course. Um, I think it's being added to Train Your Probies Bookstore now, too. So, oh, nice. And so, anyway, the uh, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, th- thanks for asking. Again, I get a little, uh, I get, uh, yeah, I don't know. But I'm very proud of it, so thank you.
0: Absolutely, man. Can't wait to check it out.
1: Let me sit there and plug my own stuff on my own podcast. I appreciate there it. There you go. Mate. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> But, no, uh, absolutely. Thank you for coming on. Guest coming up next week, we got Kyle Romagus, which I'm going to have him on and figure out how to pronounce his name uh, if I'm not doing it right. Uh, he's outspoken. He's bold. It's going to be awesome. Following up that the next week after, Mark Von Oppen fully involved, um, and he's one of the inspirations for Firehouse Vigilance. So July is shaping up to be exciting. Uh, so other than that, man, uh, Nick Ledeen, Firefighter Rescue Survey, thank you for being a guest on Weekly Scrap number 40.
0: Absolutely. Appreciate it, Corley. everybody else oh sorry (laughs) what's up internets
1: for everybody else out there i hope the tone stay silent unless it is burning uh stay safe out there thank you brother yeah thank you man thanks for listening to the weekly scrap please subscribe and please share we'll see you at the next episode